What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Zakreski, joined by Eddie Cayazzo. Hi, Ed. How are you? Joe, I am doing fan-freaking-tastic because I am here with you about to talk some horror. How are I'm you? Not, I'm doing fantastic. I forgot to say that you founded the uh, the entire website. I mean, I usually I usually nail that, and I, I completely <laughs> missed it. But hey, that's okay. That's what brings we're us We're not here. big on titles here at Red River Horror. Mm-mm, but we're here at episode number 46. Can you believe it? Wow. As we say after every episode at this point, can you believe it? Yeah. Yeah. How thrilling. Traveling the channels of fear for 46 episodes? 46 weeks, yeah. Wow. You think about that. That's probably (laughs) when, and we talked about it before, that's probably when we started week after week watching the Phantasm series, one to five. Yeah. Yeah. Started with Phantasm. Um, There was another movie we watched during that time, so it you know, for people listening, Ed is not aware of what the topic is right now. I'm I not. said, you know what? He's like, what are we going to do? I was just like, you know, how about I surprise you? And so that's what we're going to do. Um, if you saw my Twitter today, then you might have an hint. There's your hint Ooh. about what I might want to talk about. Ooh, and hopping I, on that Red I, River Horror Twitter. Ooh, that and reminds I said, me. Uh, you know, I said, I'll take a bad idea for $500. <laughs> and now what I want to talk about was also considered a bad idea at the time, but we actually watched this during those quarantine movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one that we hold near and dear to our hearts. We've talked about it as, un, you know, I guess underrated or gets more hate than it deserves on this show. Uh, do you want to take a guess or you want me to just tell you outright? Uh, let me think. Okay. We watched it during quarantine. Mm-hmm. I might be able to hone in on this. I think you can. Uh, the Blair Witch Project. Would that be Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2? You are correct, sir. Oh, what a good one. You are correct. Yes. And the, the reason for that, I was like, you know what? Um, because, so Lionsgate teased this, this picture here, as you can see, called Escape Blair Witch. Mm. And it, on Lionsgate, tweet, the official Lionsgate Twitter said, you've officially been warned. Escape Blair Witch. So I said, I'll take bad idea for 500. Um, but that, you know, what that comes with is um, the history of, I guess, what is now a Blair Witch franchise. I guess so. This would make a fourth film, right? In yeah. The, in the quote unquote and series. The funniest thing is the only one I've never had a negative experience with is the one that I guess is considered the worst, which is Blair Witch 2. Mm hmm. So let's start with, like, you know, the first one has the letdown of, you know, the the found footage. And then, like, we were kids. And a lot of people our age were duped thinking that it was real and then it wasn't real. They're like, oh. And it's a slow burn. Yeah, and I was a big um, MTV watcher at the time. And then you have this incredible marketing campaign. And yep. then all of a sudden, uh, at the VMAs, as you know, I was a huge, huge pop music fan, Backstreet yep. Boys fan. So I'm watching the VMAs. Oh, yeah. And it's like, and the cast of the Blair Witch Project. I'm like, what? 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 Cast? Rolling Stone said this was scary as hell. One of the scariest movies of all time. Yeah, they played it off as if it was found footage. And, you know, that's where it was revealed that it wasn't found at all. It was yeah. it was all staged brilliantly. And Heather's from Upper Darby. Get out of here. Yeah. All right. That's very cool. Yeah. Cool fact. So, I mean, so with that, that being said, there was a sequel plan. There was Book of Shadows. And... It doesn't do the same formula. It, I really, the idea behind it, I think, is just genius. 
because it's like it it acts as if that was a found footage movie, right? Yep. And now this is just a regular movie about people who are obsessed with the found footage movie who there's like local people who have tours of the woods where, you know, the fa- the footage was found. Right. So you got fans of the Blair Witch Project. That's incredibly clever. <laughs> yes. Like it definitely like it doesn't it's not we're not saying it's the best movie of all time. We're saying that we like it. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen it, oh, yeah. this one is it's just special to us. And, you yep. know, I hope that someday we could even like have people sit outside and uh, we can, you know, do do a screening of it. That would be a good one to screen. Yeah. We'll call it like second chance features. I like that. And you know what makes me feel like you, your 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 take on things could get tainted when you see other people's yeah. opinions of films. This film, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, Yep, I feel good about my I, I, my feelings on it, I think, being strong in that, and that they are positive. Mm-hmm. Christopher Sneed, the programmer of the Fly Film Festival out in Enid, Enid yeah, Oklahoma, yeah, yeah. he's a big Blair Witch 2 fan. Oh man, we should have called him up. So it's like, he would have given us their time. We should call him up. Sometime. We should call him. And, I, and so like, I always think... Am I am I on with the horror community? Am I gelling? Like, are my tastes right? Do I have yeah. the right feelings, even though they are my feelings and my own? And I'm just like, okay, well, if Chris likes it, then that's that's a that's a strong that's someone whose opinion I'd value in film. He's a really nice guy and yeah. really a, really into like the indie film, and he was, you know, so supportive of of us with like two two small projects. Yep. Um, and you know, so welcoming when, you know, I, that was actually your second time being in Enid. That was my first time going there. Um, you know, we building relationships with these, uh, interesting small spots and, you know, hopefully we can get back there someday just to show our appreciation for the film buffs of that town. Yeah. So show some love to the fly film festival. It actually stands for films like yours out in Eden, Oklahoma. And I will say that. Uh, I had never been to Enid before, and I just want to give them some love because the films that beat us were outstanding. I actually saw the dark tapes mm-hmm. for the first time. Now that's that's a wide release. I saw, uh, what was it, The Red Pill, Cassie J. We met her, the filmmaker. We did. Um, but Christopher Sneed is the programmer, and, you know, he decides what you know what gets seen. Right. And I think he was. I think he's since uh, taken a smaller role. Okay. Well, he got that thing. On, he got that thing going and bigger. Yeah. And and when when someone like him says to me, "You know what film I actually think is good?" Blair Witch Two. I'm like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun movie with some interesting twits, uh, twists, uh, some very like I know, hokey acting. But what do you expect? Yeah. I mean, aren't most horror movies with like you know cheesy lines and silly acting? What were we to expect from Blair Witch 2? That's all you could Book expect. So I don't know what people were expecting. And so it's the one, you know, and before I get deeper into the positive memories, I'll start, you know, uh, was referenced two episodes ago about my experience with Blair Witch 3, which was at RPX at the Regal. <laughs> really perplexing expense. The classic tweet. <laughs> yeah. Classic tweet. Really Joe. perplexing expense. <laughs> yeah. So that three just had just from 
most uncomfortable thing I've ever watched. And that not in a movie way, but in just the seat was awful. Yeah, well, it was it was sold as this. Well, the screen's bigger, the sounds bigger, and the yeah. seats bigger, and a lot more comfortable. It's like, oh, so we're paying what, like ten dollars more, or maybe not ten dollars. That's an exaggeration, but yeah, and it wasn't fit for that. It <laughs> really wasn't similar to like my first IMAX movie, which was Constantine, which wasn't really built for IMAX. I guess like maybe like one or two parts, but you know how movies are like really edited made for an IMAX yeah, experience. Like Christopher Nolan will film yeah. in whatever that I, I can't remember is uh if 35 millimeter is the regular, I think mm-hmm. then that's 70 millimeter. Yeah. Like Christopher Nolan will say, oh, this is meant for IMAX. Exactly. And um so my first two experiences was with those, but the IMAX was significantly better um than that RPX. I don't even know if they call it that RPX and they call that has a different name now. It's been completely rebranded because it was just so and, awful. And the seats didn't recline. That was the big, it's just like, oh, it's got that new reclining seat thing. No. Yeah, no, no. You were straight up. It was like the ride, the outer limits in Disney World where you're just kind of locked in. So it's like, I, I get the idea. It just didn't work. And it's horrible to sit there for something that's, you know, 90 to 120 minutes. Yep. Anywho. So there's two <laughs> negative experiences. And then I was already given this one shit. And it's like, you know what, too? It's one of those ones we didn't see it in theaters. There was this guy in high school who had, like, a patch from the movie. I don't even know how he got it, but he always had it on his backpack. He was a couple of years ahead of me. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. It's a eh. cool logo. I mean, cool symbol. It was very cool. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. And then, you know, we sat there. We were in your back, the TV room, the smaller one. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of extras at the end that point out all these little things that you missed and it makes you want to watch it again to see if you can catch it. So they're like, for example, so there's one scene where uh, they're walking by, it's a row of lockers. And so, you know, there's locks on the lockers and in a split second, in one frame, they change to a pentagram Yep. and then change back. So there's like little subliminal Symbols and Joe, I'll throughout take, the movie, take that a step further. So it was called The Secret of S River, and it was a VHS tape. Luckily, my mm. dad had a VHS player was where it was clear because the one in my room, yeah. we wouldn't have been able to do that. No. So, so you you play this featurette at the end of the film. It's like make sure you stick around after the credits, and then this featurette will play right, and it's explaining right. what the Secret of S River is. So you're watching, and in the bottom right of the screen, there are letters. Yeah. So you're writing the letters. That's right, yeah. And, and so we're writing out the letters. It's like the Dakota ring thing in a, mm-hmm. the Christmas story. Yeah. You write them out, and that gives you the scenes in the film to go back to to see what the secret of S River is. So, yes, the one was the pentagrams. The other was like a reflection mm-hmm. where like a guy looked like a ghoul or something like that. Another was the writing on the tombstone when we first meet the goth chick. Yes. That changes real quick. And yes. so it was ri- it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Like I was I, I was so into that kind of stuff. And in a way, even though that in itself wasn't scary. I was like, it, the suspense killed me for each thing. It's like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, my. I mean, it, it made us want to watch it again. Yep. It really moved a, a, a two out of five canoe to a three out of five. I would, uh, solid three. That, oh, yeah. It, and just mostly because of that. Yeah. Um, it, it was a fun experience. And, and like you said, the concept of the Blair Witch Project being a film, people being fans of that film, and then 
coming to the town where it all happened and wanting to experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a real sequel. It's a movie about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love that stuff. Very clever. <laughs> it's like something that I, I've learned to appreciate over, you know, more so over time. But that was definitely like the first time it really caught me. There was something else that came out around that time that was very self-aware that just made me laugh, uh, which wasn't horror. It was... Um, I don't know if you remember. They tried to air. It might have been on Fox or something. They gave it was Clerks, the cartoon. I don't remember that. Yeah, it only aired two episodes. Uh, I can't imagine why. So (laughs) even Fox couldn't get that one across. No, and that's like they just put stuff on and then cancel it immediately. You can get there were six episodes made, but only two aired, I believe. And the first one is the pilot episode. And the second episode is Jay and Silent Bob get locked in a freezer, and it's a clip show like a flashback episode of the first episode (laughs) 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 you know stupid little things that aren't valued like that's that's funny to me you know i find that clever just like i find blair witch 2 to be more clever i mean you don't have to be like it you know it wasn't made for awards it was made for fun and of course you know one of my favorite things that makes me laugh in it (laughs) is the soundtrack Yes. Yeah. I guess we'll get into that first. You want to get into the soundtrack? Of- 100%. I don't want to beat around the bush. I want to go right to it. I know you love this part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. Right. So as, as we already mentioned, there is a character who, who is, she's, she's a goth girl, you know, she's mm-hmm. got, where she, well, she's not goth, she's Wiccan, right? Uh, yes. That's correct. right. Because that's kind of her thing in the movie where they say she's goth. She's like, no, nah, I'm Wiccan. <laughs> right. Wicca or Wiccan? Wiccan, uh, I, I, yeah, both. So like, you yeah, could be. Yeah, you, yeah. She's a Wicca, right. and it's Wiccan. Wiccan I think. <laughs> embraces Sawin. <laughs> so, either way. So, what, what made me love the soundtrack so much is there is a scene where she takes off in the middle of the night and jumps in this van and she's slugging a beer and blasting, you know, badass track, and it is, uh, you know, pod. oh that's perfect yes she guys she hops in the van to get the beer and yeah oh my gosh it's like that's uh the we're the one the chosen (laughs) that's it (laughs) so so the wiccans rocking out to the christian band the wiccans rocking out to that christian new metal band pod (laughs) yes you know it's wiccan when it's a white guy with dreads you know rap singing (laughs) The best part about all that is is now people I, I feel like now our entertainment does have to be a bit more accurate. Back then it was probably some guy that's a part of the writing team that's just like, okay, yeah, you, you, you know what? She should be listening to like something heavy, something that you know proves the point. It's like, oh, okay. Well, who's on our roster of, of the record label work working with? Wing and a miss. And I feel bad. Well, we'll give them credit. I mean, uh, it was. Put together, they give him credit. Uh, Carter Burwell, I guess. Was that okay? He did the the music. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure the director chose like uh, I, I don't remember. The yeah, guy's I'm trying name. to see which label they were linked up with. My guess is Roadrunner because these look like a few Roadrunner bands, and that looks like a mix. So it's mm. not really linked with a specific label. Okay. Um. So a lot of these are from different labels, but. Uh, I'll shout out some of the songs and bands if you want to see if you can remember it at all. Uh, I'll try. I will try. Well, track one, The Reckoning by Godhead. 
Nope. Which is, uh, I mean, off the top of my head. Some good industrial action there. Okay. Now you remember that because that's like right in the beginning. Okay. Fast forward a little. There you go. Okay. Nothing I, too I, crazy, but there's basically like it's just really used for that like the darker part. Don't remember it in the film, but I could totally see it being used. Yep. And the next one is "Lie Down," which is our POD song that we were just talking about. Oh yeah. The the only part I remember is her just pulling up and then coming to the stop, and it's like we are the ones that chose the time to die. Oh yeah. Oh man, that is how that gets you going, especially <laughs> if you're wicking and I'm slugging juiced. a beer. Yep. You know. Next one is a song called Good Lament by Tony Iommi and Dave Grohl. Oh wow. Yeah, so that's not something you really expect to expect to hear on there. You know what that's this is playing in the uh this was literally made for the movie. Okay. It's this is what plays during the uh, the montage of uh, when they're all fucked up and dancing around because that's what the music video is actually made for. So it's definitely a huh. promo song that was made. And it's got like sequenced drums, so I'm guessing Grohl is not on drums on that track. And now it looks like he's doing like so much singing on that one. Aha. Uh-huh. So hey, all right. I got another confession, my friend. Pretty, <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool. Oh, where'd you go? I gotta pull it back up again. Well, I, I actually know the rest the the next one. Oh, do you? Hold on, do. Let me pull it back up here. You got it. Let me pull it back up. I lost it. We better know this one. That is uh, Dragula by the incredible, not very edible Rob Zombie. Hey, yeah. if you didn't have Hellbilly Deluxe when you were our age, you can go kick something, or at least borrow it from somebody. I mean, yeah, right. Come on. <laughs> come on. Me and Joe D from Different Take. I believe that was in one of our CD swaps. <laughs> Back good in the swapper. day. Yeah. It's a good one. Uh, next one is off of so System of Down's title, self-titled album. That is Mind. Any good? good? Yeah. Okay. It's a long one. That whole album's really good. I remember System of a Down, when they when they were uh, first out, people really liked them a lot. I never really got into System of a Down, except for the more hooky stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do recall them being pretty people like, oh, this is something different. Yeah. Cool. You know, that's what they did. It's pretty cool. There's a if you if you know me, you can ask me for a link. I have a video from on YouTube. It was like a show of theirs in 1997 at Whiskey A Go Go, which Whoa. is pretty cool to see because they have like uh, like sign up for our email list and oh man, that's so cool. <laughs> it's very 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 90s, yep. very late 90s, I should say. All right, let's try. Let's see. Next one is "Stick It Up" by Slaves on Dope. I think I know that song, but whatever. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, they, they really load these up. Suicide is Painless by Marilyn Manson. You gotta have some Manson on these on these soundtracks. You do, but to enter the film, so I'm surprised that one is on the soundtrack. I don't know if it was cheaper to put on there, but what was the, was Beautiful People? No. Disposable Teens. That's right. That was in the open of the film, Dispos- going through the woods. Yeah, Disposable Teens opens the movie, and that's not on there. Yeah, like, I, if I were, I mean, I would be, I mean, this budget, I think the budget for Blair Witch 2 is 15 mil. Which like they, you could get disposable teens. Come on, you know because maybe because it was a hit. They were like, like it was just put something else on there, so you know get some traction. 
Yeah, and that's fine, but maybe you put that as a hidden track. I yeah. I would want, if I'm buying the Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows soundtrack, I want Disposable Teens, especially because it opens the film. It does. But whatevs. It's a good song. Very good song. All right, what we got here? Soul Auctioneer, Death in Vegas. Nope. P.S. Project 86. Nope. Old Enough by Nickelback. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. That must have been... So you actually, and not to embarrass you, because it was it was very informative. You went to a Nickelback show, I think, at their period when they were probably at their biggest commercial success. Was that the Dark Horse album when you saw them live? Uh, I saw them at a Y100 festival. Okay, so that wouldn't have been. And I saw them with a couple of our friends at uh, in Atlantic City. So that, I think, was that the and Rebel? That, that they were coming off of some kind of big release, I think. So I think it was Dark Horse. And I'm saying, the reason I say not to embarrass you is, mm. <laughs> as you can imagine, Chad Kroger is extremely intelligent with what he's putting out there. Sure. So you told me the story that he told you during that show is that I'm guessing during that time when that song, what's that song called on the soundtrack? That is called Old Enough. Old Enough. So I'm guessing that was the period before when he was talking about, he said, you know, I just remember our first tour, we were all packed on like a truck, not even a bus, like a truck just driving around and it was hot and it sucked and it was terrible. Oh, yeah. So he's like, I never want to do that again. So... I wrote this song pretty much is what he said about how you remind me. How you remind me, yeah. And what song is still played on our local rock stations all the time. Does that still get played? It does. It's the only it's the only one. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's fun to do nickelback jokes. Um the first the second time I saw them, that was a free ticket and a trip in Atlantic City. So Yeah. Why why not? But I'm but I'm saying I uh, love the first time though. I mean I liked their album. Was it the state? And then the second one was Silver Side Up. Yes, I and love it's that. Like, album. You know you like you know how you remind me was fine until it was you know not fine. It sure. just never stopped. Yeah, I mean it got a lot of play. It did. It I was by the end of the summer that it had come out. I was done, and I loved yeah. it. when that when I entered the summer. It's like oh my gosh, this album. Is incredible. Yeah, burn burn out on that one pretty quick. Yeah, but no, you're you're right, and and again, like I said, not to not to embarrass. Like I yeah. love when people tell stories like that because it's like, okay, I get you, I feel yeah. you, man. It was that and uh, Smooth Criminal, Alien Ant Farm. Oh, smooth criminal. that was done by the. But that might have been the summer before where that was just nonstop. Yeah, I'm trying to think if that was that o two o one or o two. It's two thousand one. Okay, o one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was done. Be, Released in 01, but got most of its play in 2002. Mm-hmm. So, um, interesting to look back on yeah. Nickelback before they were Nickelback. Yeah, I mean, it, they blew up. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, next one's another one. Another P. Was that? Feel? No, that's not P. Feel Alive UPO. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know. Tommy Don't Lie by Steak Knife. I mean, there's just some, I guess, I don't know, whatever. I, I want to interject here. If you're any of these bands, and you because you know Joe, if we're talking about a film, and especially something retro, we're going to do the deep dive of the soundtrack always. Yeah, I mean, we haven't like we'll even do deeper digs. This is just for fun, right? So <laughs> if you're in a band and we pass over you, or we're just like, eh, yeah, who the hell is this? Yeah, no. reach out to us at redriverhorror@gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, play your songs, talk to you about the uh, the whole experience of having your song 
in a film or on a soundtrack like that. And this next one is a, is a, I, I, I've never been able to pronounce this song right, or I do, and I just don't know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes off their, this entire album is just amazing from this band at the drive-in. The song is, uh, is it Arcasinal? Arcasinal? Okay, so you no. need to educate me a little bit. I thought at the drive-in came up in that whole emo phase. That's before that. Where so yeah, they get looped in with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they co- I sure they did. come in from. I think uh, they're at the drive-in. Uh, what? Well, they're on. They're on a label that is known for like those bands played festivals like you know Warp Tour and okay. Um, but they're more punchy. And more like hardcore, I guess you could say. Hmm. Um, not, not very, not as emotional. Very, very snippy, very snappy. I just, I hear the name and I'm like, it brings me back to the mid 2000s. It's like, they have that kind of name, but it's like, you could just. High energy. All right. You know? Kick it up a notch. Well, this is very fitting for the movie. This is almost industrial, hub, right? Yeah. Hmm. There it is. Yeah, so... Wow, like, okay, yeah. okay. So they get lumped in with a lot of that, but yes. they're, you know, they're on their own... On their own level there ah, when it comes to... I learned to, something new. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, if you want a, a song to add to your pump up, of what, I, you can do that one, but I always recommend the the one that's more popular, which is a song called One Armed, Cin- one Armed Scissor. Okay. One Armed Scissor. Hmm. I, I, you know me. I like to go with the hits only because there's been so much music. You and I were obsessed with pretty much anything back in the day, so... Now I'm at the phase where it's like, okay, there is so much music and so many ways to discover. Yeah. I'll probably stick with the hits, and if I feel like going further, I will. Yeah, I think there's another playlist that I gotta send you, which is like full of hits that we talked about before. We'll talk about that after the show. Cool. So at the driving. <laughs> yeah. And next one, "Human" by Elastica, which I don't know. That one. And "Feel Good" hit of the summer by Queens of the Stone Age. So that's even before Queens of the Stone Age was really taken off. Wow. I guess. I guess it was right around the time no one knows. Was about to hit. When does no one knows 04? 03? Okay. I think junior year of high school. So, they so yeah, 2002, 2003. That's pretty wild. Isn't and it? You know who's not on the sound that the soundtrack's done? Yeah. So, one of the songs in the closing credits is by, uh, I th- her name was Poe. I think she was a single <laughs> yeah, artist. Yeah, that's right. Poe. I liked her. Yeah. Thought she was good. But that's yeah. not included. I guess it doesn't really fit. The- no, I mean. <laughs> I guess that's the official soundtrack. I mean, that's the one that was listed everywhere. Yeah. No, so, no it's, I liked that song, though. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard when they put those together, because I guess for each different cost, I don't know where you cut, Yeah. where you just don't expect album sales. I have no idea. They're always like a mixtape or just a bunch of nonsense. But with but, the Blair, of which, uh, well, just to interrupt you real quick, and yeah, then go for I'll it. get right back. Um, I mean, this was a film that the studio really believed in. Um I mean, it had a lot of promo. Yeah. Like, the, the film was immediately greenlit upon the pitch due to the surprising success of its predecessor, uh, 1999's Blair Witch Project. Stylistically different from the first film, the plot revolves around a group of people 
fascinated by the mythology surrounding the Blair Witch Project film. Mm -hmm. They go back into the Black Hills where the original film was shot and they experience supernatural phenomena and psychological unraveling. But what I mean is, yeah, I, I, I was right about this. Budget, $15 million. So the studio spent some money. Think about that. Uh, so this was released October 27th, 2000. October 27th is my wedding anniversary. Hey, oh. 12 years before your wedding. How about that? How about that? So 90 minutes long and wow. But 15 million. So like to put it into perspective, The Conjuring, I believe, had a $25 million budget. Mm-hmm. So 15 mil back then is a lot. Yeah, that is a lot for back then. Yeah. And then another thing that a... Uh, I think about is um ah, ah I just lost it. I just oh. lost it. I had something and I just lost it. I was like kinda of trying to think of like some, some good liners in there. So you might hear some stuff in the background and we'll see just when the line pops up I'll, I'll flip it over. Yes. But this is uh is that it? Is that the part we're thinking of I'm thinking of? was it my away message on AOL? Is that in this scene? I don't believe so, but maybe right. track ahead a little bit. Just to, so What's going on? There's a part where they, they wake up one morning and there's just paper everywhere flying over them. But let's see. So my part... This with, is my work. <laughs> this is all my research. <laughs> Our work. Every word. Where the fuck are my cameras? <laughs> this is all of our goddamn work. No. But so no, that's one of your favorites. How the hell are we gonna make Where the fuck are my cameras? No, Tristan, the computer's just notes. You know that. <laughs> Half their shit is original documents. Where the hell was everybody? We were all supposed to be awake. Guys, where's Erica? So how smart was right it to bring here. like all that paper, all those documents into the woods? We must have fallen asleep. Asleep? It's like we must have blacked out. I know. The last thing I remember was that that other tour group. Where she yeah. goth and the others wicked. Those See now I'm confused. Who else could it have been, huh? They came back from Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, the first there's a goth chick and, and a wicked like chick. Yes. So we always, those are the two researchers. Yes. Yeah, so there's, you got the two researchers, the guy, the tour guide, a goth girl, and a wicked. I will. I will show you. I will show you via text here. What I'm trying to think. The what? phrase is, uh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So, sh so search for this because it'll be worth it when we drop this one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as you can tell, we're trying to get more technology, like more, more tech savvy. <laughs> and uh, our locations keep changing, man. We'll, we'll get this. Oh, we'll get yeah. it. Oh yeah, that's it. Yes, this was my away message for, for a long time. <laughs> for a whole long time, really long time. I think you shouted at your mom one time. I don't, I don't think she cared for it. <laughs> I don't doubt that I did that. I just remember dad getting physical if I... Yeah. You don't, you don't curse at your mom if there's anything you ever learn. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was... Uh, yeah. Maybe it was just everyone else. <laughs> so, I don't know. This isn't what? it. Oh, fuck. Did you hear that? That's just some nonsense. Yeah, so the... Where? I'm, I'm gonna find it. So he's... So I'll just set the scene a little bit. They all... And we're not... Actually, we've gone pretty spoiler-free. So should we just stay that way? Maybe we can do our best. Okay. So the w that scene that Joe played already, that was their first night in the woods. 
they got to Rustin Parr's house, I believe, where like that remains like the ruins of the house. Mm-hmm. And they party it up, and they mm-hmm. fall asleep, they black out, and they wake up, and now they have to pretty much piece together what had happened. Right. They go back to the, uh, Jeffrey Donovan, the actor, the main guy's house that's taking them on the tour. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they get a call from the police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, is that where it happens? What they're finding, yes. So he's, oh, I got it right here. It's on the here. phone. I got it right here. Here we go. Away message. Fuck off. No one's home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to do it again. Because I just found out who trashed my cameras. I was just about to call you. Turn on your TV. Come on, on. Fuck off. No one's home. <laughs> Crazy. Here it is. That's oh, it. Oh, it's funny because I just found out who trashed here my cameras. Here it is. We were looking everywhere there for you. Is. So uh, you know what? We should clip that and have it as a soundbite. Yeah, absolutely. Should be one of the sun sound bites. Absolutely. That's a uh, that's another. <laughs> once we find, hey, anybody out there want to be a technical producer <laughs> yeah. for our show? <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, uh, that cracked me up so good back I in got the day. Over time. Yep, I thought I thought that was just a genius line. You know, it is because it's very fitting at the time because they're very tense, and for some reason, he figures he's going to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you go for it. You go for it. You know, here, here. <clears throat> a few miles from the town of Burkittsville, where just hours ago, police arrested three obsessed movie fans who allegedly committed a series of ritualistic murders after watching last summer's blockbuster movie, The Blair Witch Project. Uh, I just learned that this vehicle, the vehicle mm-hmm. you see right behind me, is owned by one of the suspects, and there is blood evidence linking the suspects to these murders. That's right. Sadly, as has happened so many times before in this mm-hmm. country, violent art has inspired real-life violence. In this case, it's the Blair Witch Project. Like, oh. like how, how, how Pretty cool. How clever is that? That is... Joe, I... It was when we watched that as one of the films, it's like, what are we going to watch now that... Because it was almost like a conquest for a phantasm, and we had done it. Yeah. It was like we got through it. We got through five Ravager. Yeah. And we'd watch on the we'd watch and watch the first one so many times that we got to see it remastered. Yeah. So we did that last. But then it's like, all right, well, what do we watch next? How about the Blair Witch Project? Book of Shadows. Yep. Part two. Okay. That's exactly how it went down. And honestly, it felt... I watching it again. I still was just like, "Wow, this mm-hmm. was good." Yeah, and I look, you know, having having some laughs, looking out for those little things. Mm-hmm. It's great. And you were right. There is a Wiccan chick. It's a Wiccan and, and a goth. And a goth. So the goth yada, chick was yada, listening yada. to POD. Yeah, which still <laughs> make it's just as funny. You're right. It is. You know. Oh, huh. yeah, classic. Um, but that being said, someone out there. Watch Blair Witch 2. Mm-hmm. Let me know. Let us know what you think. And that, and if you really hate it, I want to know everything as to why you hate it. You can't just be like, it's just boring. Uh, that's just complete taste. Like, come on, let's let's have some some value to to that statement. Let's let's have a dialogue about Book of Shadows. Because yeah, I've never had that argument where someone said, like, I've heard people say, oh, that movie sucked and couldn't really say why. Right. And the only thing I can think of is what the hell was Book of Shadows supposed to mean? Was there originally supposed to be a book? Like, did this get Franken edited? Oh, that would be a good thing hey. to look up. I wonder if this had troubled production. 
Like where studio was saying one thing and the creative people were saying another, and then it's just you know. It mu- Let's see. Let's it see. must have Pre- had something. Okay, development. I thought a more interesting way of connecting Blair Witch Two to the documentary tradition would be to try to make a movie that tells a story. Like a good documentary does, that is infused with social commentary because that's what a documentary is. Document uh, Documentary is not about shaking the camera around. It's about telling a story that has social commentary embedded in it. Okay, great. Uh, thank you. Uh, that's Berlinger. So who's Berlinger? Let me just get Berlinger's first name. That's Joe Berlinger, the director. Joe Berlinger, director. Huh, and, we should reach out to him. And one of the writers. So Dick Beebe and Joe Berlinger wrote Blair Witch 2. So that was... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. After the massive success of the Blair Witch Project, Artisan was eager to produce a sequel while the film's popularity was still at its peak. However, Hexen Films, who created the original film, was not ready to begin work on a follow-up, preferring to wait until the initial buzz had died down. In December 1999, Artisan decided to proceed without them, hiring Joe Berlinger, who had previously only done true documentaries to direct. So I remember wow. I rem- now that rings a bell cuz I remember reading something about that where somewhere like that was part of the reason what messed it all up like he got a lot of shit for it. Wow. Um, okay. Definitely we should we need to get somebody from this movie on this show. We do. While developing the screenplay, Berlinger spent time in the real town of Burkittsville, the setting of the Blair Witch Project, undertaking research and interviewing locals on how the release of the film had impacted their lives. Fun fact, I actually filmed for NBC Sports uh, the golf courses in that county. It's Frederick County yeah. in Maryland. So yeah, yeah. I actually filmed a television show there. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, about that. According to Berlinger, the character of Erica represented an aspect of this, specifically the frustrations that the Wiccan community voiced after the release of the Blair Witch Project. Uh, some felt misconstrued the tenets of Wicca and showed their religion in a negative light. Berlinger was also inspired by the lazy consumption of media that led many to accept the Blair Witch Project as a true documentary. I don't think that was lazy. I think that was marketing. But anyway, specifically how readily the public is will quote, how readily the public is willing to accept something shot on video is real. He elaborated on one hand, Blair Witch 2 works as a standard horror movie, but it also is a meditation on violence in the media and the nature of fanaticism and obsession, okay, and the dangers of blurring the lines between reality and fiction. I think that's a success. Additionally, Berlinger Corp incorporated elements of real-life subject and pla- subjects and places featured in his 1996 true crime documentary, Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills, as well as narrative components of the stage play, Six Characters in Search of an Author by Luigi Pirandello. This is why I love creative people, man. They always find these inspirations, and I'm like, well, now I want to see both yeah. of those, you know? Uh, yeah, I... I like I like I like his I like his mindset on it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like one of those things. Like um, hearing like certain directors that do movies that aren't, you know, huge releases. It's it's nice to hear like you know that they're passionate about the work they they put into it. Okay. So you can say whatever you want, but I mean that guy yeah. that guy gave it. He gave it a shot. <laughs> yeah. 
Stylistically, Book of Shadows was the direct opposite of its pre- predecessor through the film occasionally, though the film occasionally utilizes the point of view camcorder. It does. Pseudo-documentary format used in the first movie. Book of Shadows more closely resembles the glossy, big-budget, special effects-laden horror films that Blair Witch was a counter to. Berlinger stated that he originally made the film with more of an ambiguous tone that focused on the character's psychological unraveling after the night spent in the Black Hills. But Artisan forced him... Okay, here we go. Artisan forced him to recut the film and mm-hmm. reshoot certain scenes to add more, quote, traditional horror movie elements, mm. thus creating what they saw as a more commercial film. Gotcha. So it's that's the production hell that some people go to I, when they try and spin their own vision on it, then the studio just shits on it. So Berlinger had it's just like, you know what? This let's let's do this. Yeah. Came up with a great concept, and the studio's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's yeah. commercialize this. We so. need we need to get him on here. See if, like see if we can get his time. Be, like, um, just like when we heard like Daniel Farren's, like, mm-hmm. um, or you know, here uh, what was his name Martin Gigi? Yes, yes. You know, people getting so hype about their work and getting all into it. So this will be a spoiler here, but it's important because you brought up Daniel Farren's, and mm. we know the editing. Oh my gosh, the editing of Halloween Six. Even though we both love it, yeah. if you watch it now, you see it. Quite choppy. Right. Namely, the footage of the main characters murdering the foreign tourists was shot weeks prior to the film's release date and was incorporated into the film as flash cuts to add more visual violence. That's what the Weinsteins did to Halloween Six. That's exactly what they did. And it's very you know and what makes that funny is it's so unnecessary. It, 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 is. it actually takes away from the movie. Mm-hmm. Story wise? Yeah. Oh, oh hell yeah. It really does. Like, they should have kept that hard all out. (laughs) Berlinger later stated he felt the gore sequences added in the film fought against the ambiguity he tried to nurture. You know, and then you you can tell. Yeah. You can tell. Because it's just just like the Michael Myers walking scene as we're switching scenes in Halloween 6. Because if we went through what's the thing I don't like about it, it's it's those Mm -hmm. that are just the unnecessary gore that doesn't fit the feel of the movie at all (laughs) no like it's literally trying to add an element of the original for no reason Mm -hmm. wow so kudos yeah all right so then i'll just wrap this up on the actual production additionally the interrogation sequences which are intercut throughout the film were per berlinger's director's cut arranged as a single eight minute long sequence bookending the film. Instead, the studio requested Berlinger cut the sequence into isolated vignettes and intercut them throughout the film. This compromised Berlinger's original vision of a linear narrative that begins as a lighthearted romp in the woods, almost as a spoof of the Blair Witch phenomenon, before descending into a downward spiral. The original cut of the film also featured Frank Sinatra's witchcraft during the opening credits. Wow. And replaced by the studio with Disposable Teens by Marilyn Manson. Yeah. You know, because you got like even Sinatra probably would have been a little more fitting going over like the going over the like it's a you know not a drone because there weren't drones like that back then, but you know an aerial shot yeah over the woods instead you get the yeah I'm a black rainbow and I'm a nape of God <laughs> you know <laughs> uh you can tell the the aggressive edge. Yeah. That the student, yeah. so so it was almost forced. Yeah, they're it like, was forced to be. You need to be more like those uh, screams and did last summers. Right? Yep. Clearly. Wow. That's a shame. We need a director's cut. We do. 
I wonder if there we're is starting, a director's We're cut. starting the movement. We got to find that. We're going to start the movement <laughs> for a director's cut of The Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Uh, get on board with us. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's go. Does Lionsgate still own the movie? Uh, well, you said that what you saw on Twitter was from Lionsgate, so... For, uh, was, for the new one that's in production or coming So, uh, Artisan Entertainment was the, I guess, the... They're the OG. Uh, hmm. So, this is a... Mo- All right. All right, so I just found this article from March 25th, 2021. Okay. Uh, and then there's another one from November 5th, 2020. Director Joe Bellinger... Um, director not interested in a director's cut and okay. that comes from dreadcentral.com so it's like against yeah, block so and this is from cbr.com where someone is right on with us forget suicide squad blair witch 2 has the ultimate lost director's cut as the demand for a lost director's cut surges joe berlinger original version of book of shadows blair witch 2 remains an elusive piece of history Unreleased director's cuts have long been sought after by film enthusiasts with most recent success story being the release the snyder cut campaign which allowed Zack Snyder to finally release his version of the Justice League, which, whatever. And then they're trying to do it. Like, the DC movies, they're not that good. <laughs> you can cut them up any way you want to. The characters are poorly written. They're poorly developed. You, It's like, well, you know who they are. Yeah. And oh, we're going to add a little twist to them. <clears throat> How about that? <laughs> Done so. That said, quite possibly the holy grail of long-lost director cuts is Joe Browner's original version, Vision, for Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Oh, yeah. So they're, you know, we are not alone. No. That's what, I, when when Chris Sneed said that, I'm like, okay. Okay. We are not alone. We're getting on board with this. Um, Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. Yeah. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, director cast out. You know, that's from comicbook.com. So there's... A, there's mm-hmm. a, there's there's a bit there's a movement there and it's a recent movement hmm. that's probably always just been there and so, it's gaining some traction so um i gotta do some producing i gotta find yeah find. if the the director himself is not interested in i guess our odds of getting him on here are a little slim but if we could find a writer or an actor yeah what do you want to talk do you guys want to talk uh blair witch too yeah actually no 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 <laughs> no I mean, and we can be like, hey, man, this podcast, we had Stephen Bassett on who exposed, who told the truth that all these aliens were about, like, all this information was going to come from the government this spring's early summer. And here it is. Wow. Pretty amazing, huh? Yeah. It really, when, when the first, I think you shared with me, what, it was a CNN article? Yeah. That popped out and you're like, whoa, dude. Yeah. Stephen Bassett talked about now this. It's everywhere. Now it's, I mean, literally. Everywhere. I watch, you know me, I monitor all the cable news. All of the cable news channels, Fox, uh-huh. CNN, and MSNBC, have all now dedicated segments mm-hmm. to this UFO stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. how about that? So, shout out to him. Yes. Um, as for Blair Witch 2, we are jumping on that bandwagon yep. of release the Berlinger cut or whatever you want to call it. Um and you know, I, I think I think this is something potential for uh, you know future events somewhere. If we could find like a venue where we could actually like set up and have some fun with it, I think we call it like Second Chance Theater or something. And that might be a thing. We got to come up with a title for it. We do, and I'm actually gonna uh, just plug our good friend Steve Feast Keystone Retro. That's right. Because you know what made me think of that? 
I think that we should watch the Blair Witch 2 on VHS. So I got to ask him, our good friend Steve Feast from Keystone Retro, where when you go to their website, keystoneretro.com, and you buy something, mm-hmm. well, make sure you put that code Red River in uh, checkout. Before you check out, you put that code Red River in, you get 10% off. Yep. He has VHS tapes for sale. So I might ask him to track me down because you know me, I sold all of my VHS tapes when I moved. Yeah, in he, go, he goes on the thrill of the hunt. So maybe we'll reach out to those Viva Video guys, see if they'll let us set up with them hmm. use their space yeah they might be open to that they might be it all comes down to dollars and cents so yeah that's true that's <laughs> a good ain't going to be for free no no it can't be but but that would be a lot of fun yeah so I, I think that could be a lot of fun where it's like we do we do a movie and then we record the episode with like q a or mm-hmm. not like not so much q a but just like in you know everyone talking about it and the thing is um oh my gosh the guy's name from viva video he would be perfect because he oh miguel he knows so much about films. So, you know, we talk about it and then he'll be like, oh, yeah, you don't need to pull up your phone. I got this. So he, yeah, yeah. he would totally be able to yeah. uh, answer questions. I'd actually, you know what? He, here's the mic. Mm-hmm. We'll turn it over to you and the people that attended and uh, we can get a whole episode out of that for yeah. sure. So I figure we'll just have some fun with that. I thought that was a good idea. So let's roll. Yep. Let's roll with it. As for this, please check out that movie again. Let us know what you think. If you've seen it before, let us know what you think. Uh, any suggestions for the show, always send them our way. We are open to it. Um, if you want to help us out with some of the technical aspects, you're also welcome to that. But we still have some time before we get a permanent studio space set up and all that yada, yada, yada stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're, we're still working on it. I know we say it every episode, but uh, we're approaching our first year doing the podcast. The site is coming along nicely. A lot of blockbusters this year. Yeah. Going to see more reviews on the site. Um, yeah. And after we get to episode 52... Might be some surprises. Maybe, maybe actually taking this Tony Todd Tuesday and Women in Horror Wednesday and putting it, Ooh. maybe releasing some content specific things for YouTube or the podcast. Platform. Exactly. So, so we're we're having a lot of fun with this. Yeah. Eventually, I mean, the pod's going to move to video format too, mm-hmm. but that's just a matter of need permanent space to make that work better. We do. Um, and then also, right, what's sitting in front of you is a rough draft of the movie Jason X, yes, which I keep is. meaning to bring this up is like, what if we did a table read of that script? I would. Oh, you didn't say that before. That's a nice little no. surprise. Yeah. You said maybe we should read through it and talk about it. And No, no, no. I'm saying we a record a full read. read. <laughs> A full read Jason of this rough draft script X. of Jason X. <laughs> we cast it and do a full-on fictional episode or whatever you want to call it. Like maybe do some more like fiction pods thrown in there. That would be. You know what? I like it. Right. I like it. So yeah. So, so a lot we'll, of a lot of good stuff. Well, but make sure uh, if you have any ideas or if you want to reach out on Twitter, we are there. Mm-hmm. We will be posting at Red River Horror. Same with Instagram at Red River Horror. Email me and Joe at redriverhorror at gmail.com. I'm Eddie Kayazo, founder of redriverhorror.com. And Joe, I'll let you take it out, sir. Thanks. And I've been your host, Joe Zakreski. You can find me on Twitter at Red River Joe. And remember to keep traveling those channels of fear.